Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. How many of you have um, had some time just to go through our Bible reading just for these last few days? I don't know whether you've done that. Um, great. A couple of you, three, four, five. I see that hand. Okay, that's great. Uh, that's brilliant. Because the, the Word of God, I believe, uh, was intended to become a rock that we can really put our life on. We can trust it completely. We can stand on it completely. We can be totally secure. We've looked at that over the last weeks and months. Um, just as a reminder, the, the readings in May, uh, if, you've, if you've got the reading plan, then you would have found this already. If not, you can pick one up at the info point. But the Bible readings in May revolve around the, some of the parables. Now, there's 37 parables in the New Testament. It's actually from the Old, but we're focusing mostly on the new ones. Uh, and, and it's a story. And as I was explaining two Sundays ago, uh, Jesus told parables to the crowds. He didn't tell them to his disciples in the same way because uh, they had a different relationship with him. They saw him differently. But a parable is, a, is an earthly story with a, with a heavenly meaning. Uh, and the reason why Jesus did that, and I thank God that Jesus did it like that, is because he realised that people like you and me are slow learners. Or maybe you're just smarter than you look. I, I have no idea. But he realised that people like us were really slow learners. So Jesus made it really, really easy to communicate some massively important truths in a really simple way. But they weren't simplistic, but they were communicated in a simple way. Uh, I looked up in Wikipedia, which I don't always do, and I what is a parable? And I'll just say what Wikipedia says. It says, a parable is a succinct didactic story in prose or in verse that illustrates one or more instructive lessons or principles. It differs from a fable in that fables employ animals, plants, inanimate objects or forces or of nature as characters, whereas parables have human characters. I love the fact that Jesus told stories about heavenly things to people and he used people to describe them. And I just want to take that kind of definition out at the beginning because I believe God wants to exhort and encourage you this morning that he wants your life to be like a parable. He wants your life to be like a God-written story for somebody else to read. He wants your life to be uh, earthly in one sense, but actually releasing and revealing really key heavenly things to people in a very simple way. And it was interesting to me how we were flowing through service time that, that God wanted to restore joy. There's a whole load of joy just outside of the 18 millimetres of double glazed window out there. But most of the causes and the, most of the sources of those joy are not from God. I mean, I've tried some of them back in the day, uh, and they're only temporary. Uh, I find that one thing that gives you joy one minute gives you a splitting headache the next. I've, I've been there. Uh, uh, there was, a, there was somebody, was it one of the Bible school students, was 21. Who was that? Was it Lucy? Somebody. One of our Bible school students was 21 last week, and she had a big badge on it, and I got convicted, and I said to her, Lucy, I'm so pleased that you're here for your 21st birthday, because I can't remember mine. It's just a blank. And I can't remember my 18th birthday either. It's just a blank. I, I assume I had one, because I'm older than that now, but the... <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> but I can't remember it. And the reason is, is because Jesus intervened into my story and changed it. And he wants to do the same with yours today. Whatever chapter of life that you might be in, he wants to make you like a parable. So that for your spouse, through your mum, through your dad, through your daughter's sons, is that he wants to download really, really important, really deep eternal truths in a really simple kind of way. And I believe joy is one of the vehicles of that. Don't you? I don't know about you, but I I, I can remember uh, miserable people called Christians put me off God more than God did. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, At the day, they seemed to worship in a building that looked more alive than they did. And that building was 300 years old. It's like, hello there. (laughs) I'm not having a go. I'm just trying to say that the Holy Spirit comes not to make you look like a historic building, but to give you a vibrant chapter and page today. The Holy Spirit comes to ignite you. In fact, can I suggest that whatever pages have gone before you, the Holy Spirit wants to come and make them into toast. The Holy Spirit comes like fire. Hallelujah. Because one of the things which Jesus never did was he never went backwards with his stories. It was always now and in the future. You know your story. You know the chapters of your life. But, but don't live out of that. The Holy Spirit came, I believe, in, in Pentecost and today's Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit came, I believe, to burn up the pages of all these guys' history, all of their success, all of their failures, all of their challenges, all of their, their, their tribulations. The Holy Spirit came to burn them up and to make them new. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do what? The same today with you and with me. We might have chapters with great this and great that, or it may not be. I don't, it doesn't really matter. The Holy Spirit wants to come today and give you a new page. Is that all right to say that? I've said it now. It's out there. I'm just showing my heart um, because it's the only thing that I can do. So we're going to look through a few of these parables. There are seven, obviously, this week. We're not going to look at all of them because there's just too much in there. Uh, we could probably take one month going into each one of these, and we don't have a month, and you don't. All right? You want to get a cup of tea at 11.30. I, I get that. I pray for you, uh, but I get that. Hallelujah. But we're just going to comment on a few of them, and Josh, who has had a great success with our visuals... It's taken him uh, a year and a half to get there, but he is a man of perseverance. Hallelujah. Uh, you, you, there are two purses in the Bible. They usually come together. One is persecution, and the other one is perseverance. Let's have a look at this first one. It's in Mark chapter 4. We have a Mark here with his wife for the first time. It's good to see you. This is a book about you. Hello. (laughs) It's not in Spanish, so I'm not going to translate it. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. This is Jesus. He said this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. He didn't say this is the kingdom of God. He said this is what it's like. This is an example. I'm about to tell you something. He's talking to the crowds. A man scatters seed on the ground. That's good, isn't it? Don't you think that's pretty sensible? How many of you would not have thought of that? Here's some seed. I'm just going to go, woo, chuck it up in the air. No, maybe that's just me. Because sometimes I just think, I wonder what would happen if it had just gone, oh, well, whatever. (laughs) But no, he sows it deliberately. In other words, he knows the basics that his seed, there's ground, ground seed, plus a few things and something can happen. Is that all right to say that? It's quite simple, but actually it's very profound, as we'll find out in a minute, I hope. 
Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. How many of you sleep and get up? How many of you are awake now? Okay, not everybody's hand is up. That does worry me slightly. Just give Annie a poke. There you go. Uh, How many of you are awake now? So you're up, but are you awake? You have to think about that one. Because I believe part of this story is that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, when Jesus comes into our life, we're awake. We're ready. We're looking for something. We're expectant of something. I know a lot of Christians that fall asleep. We're not those kinds of people, right? Well, I'm not. No, I want to I be alert. The world needs alerts. I want to be alert. I want to be awake on the inside in my spirit. I want to be awake and let the word of God fuel it and feed it and keep it alive. And we'll find out why in a moment. But this parable goes on. It says, Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and the seed grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel on the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Let's just remind ourselves of this. Whether you know God or whether you don't know God, only God brings growth. Only God brings growth. Only God brings growth. Whether you consider that you've grown in your relationship with God or not, or whether you know God or not, God wants to bring growth into that area. Whether you would say you're doing well with God right now, or just it's, it's just a bit of a tough old time right now, God wants to grow you. God makes things grow. The soil is a vehicle, the seed is the potential, but only God makes it grow. If the seed stayed in the pocket of the sower, it just remains a pocket full of rye. And there's a... That was good, wasn't it? I know. But God wants you, me, to know that God has a growth plan in his heart for your journey. But only God can make it grow. I'm just going to shut this one out. You might not agree, but just what I'm saying. The seed of the kingdom is the very first GM seed. It's been genetically modified. It is pest resistant. It's disease resistant. It's death resistant. It's sickness resistant. It's famine resistant. It's drought resistant. It's rough soil resistant. It's a GM seed. I'm just like, what's he talking about? (laughs) This seed of the kingdom is indestructible. This seed of the kingdom contains the life of God in it. And once the Holy Spirit connects with it, boom, it explodes, and suddenly it begins to penetrate the ground that you're living in. I believe we're in a season, breaking in, breaking out, breaking through, where the ground of your marriage, the ground of your workplace, the ground of your home place, the ground of your whatever, God wants to, boom, come out of the surface of that, and say, hello, we're here, and we're Christians, and we believe in a God who loves you. Come on. Without knowing it, you may find yourself suddenly just sharing your life story with someone. Why? Because God brings the growth. 
you might suddenly find yourself not just talking, but actually praying, which really is talking to God with the confidence he hears you. We all do a lot of talking. I've heard us. I've heard me. We all talk a lot. But this parable is just such a great example to me that it doesn't affect, and it's not influenced by natural things. Daytime, nighttime, the things still grows. When we feel really close to God, it grows. When we don't, it grows. When we just had a great time of prayer, well, there might be some obvious growth, but if we haven't prayed for a week, there's still growth. When we've met with Jesus on a Sunday, there's growth. When we haven't, there's still growth because the kingdom seed, God's in it. So can I just encourage you, however well you think you're doing or not with God, God wants to grow you. He wants to raise you. He wants to strengthen you, not just at a stalk, but he wants you to be fruitful. Thank you, Andrew. I'm glad Andrew is in the room this morning. Andrew, you're an anointed man. But for me, it's the best way that I get it. It's just genetically modified. It's got the DNA of Christ in it. It's got the DNA of God in it. It's got the DNA of kingdom in it. This isn't like a natural seed. This is a very supernatural seed. And what Jesus is saying is the kingdom is like that. Once you're around it, once, you, once you've received it, man, it's just going to grow. It's on the mission. I'm going to grow God. You're going to be more peaceful, more patient, more gentle. You're going to have more self-control. You're going to have more kindness. Hello there. Well, I don't feel very kind. Just give it to God. He'll grow it. Come on, because God brings the growth. He brings the increase. Come on. Hallelujah. This is, oh, this is good. I'm enjoying this. You look as if you need to get out more. Hallelujah. This is good. It's a parable, it's a story. What's, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, don't, don't just look at what's going on around you. Oh, I live in such a, I'm having such a dry time. Have a drink. Amen. Taste and see that God is good. Amen. Oh, well, I just can't hear God. Have you read your Bible? No. <laughs> well, hallelujah. Who do you think wrote the Bible? You? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying here? Is there something about the kingdom that just won't shut up. It just won't stay where it is. It just won't stay under the ground. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, you, you would have done around here because they're developing this and any other. But where you know, builders come in, developers come in, and they, you know, they, it might just be weeds growing or it might be something nice growing, but they cover it with tarmac. And after about a year, boom, there's a little bit of grass comes out in the middle of it. Have you ever been? Have you seen that? Do you know why? Because you can't stop life. Come on. You can't stop life. Life, kingdom life, boom, it will just come out. Whether you cover it with good, bad, ugly, day, night, boom, it's going to grow because God makes it grow. What we need to do is to go with it. Come on, is this, is this just one story? There's another six. How long have you got? Hallelujah. <laughs> So that's kind of the power. There's loads more that you can get out of that, but we haven't got the time. The next one is um, Luke 14. I don't think you got this one, Josh. Luke 14, which is a challenging one. It's when Jesus says, well, you know, do, you, do you really love these people more than me? We haven't got time to go into there. It upset too many people. It would. Then there's one in Matthew 13. The kingdom is like a net put into the lake. And they sat down and collected all the fish, and there was too many, and they... The ones that weren't right, they just threw away. And then an angel came. And how, 
We are the net. I believe as church, as congregation here, we are part of God's net. Uh, You know what a net is, right? A net is like a load of squares or circles all joined together. Yeah, well, those joint points are small groups. Those joint points are Sunday mornings. Otherwise, you just end up with a load of holes or just a square. But to connect one square with another one, you need connection. And those joint points are small groups. They're Sundays. They're Alpha. They're fr- That's the points where we join together and become a net. And I don't know about you, I mean, I'm not really into fishing, but my, I can work out in my own simple mind that if I've got a, a hook with a, whatever you put on the end of it, wiggly worm, <laughs> I don't know what you do, is that I can go fishing like that and it's effective to a point, but if we are a net, and we've got somebody here called a net, funnily enough, <laughs> Don't deny it. Your name is Annette. Those that are going, no, no, it's not. But if we have a net, how much more are we going to catch than just one wriggly worm? Now, you know, God loves wriggly worms. I, mean, I, I, don't, I can't eat them. But, but a net it just makes it much more effective. But the difference is, one person, I mean, Terry will tell you, he's an expert on fishing, one person can hold a rod, but everybody needs to be part of the net. So your, your life matters. This is what Jesus is saying. Yeah, it's, it's great to do that. You can have a fisherman, but man, there's a harvest outside of there and it's going to take a net and the rest of us to catch it. <laughs> then there's Luke 15, which is, you know, one of the most famous ones. Probably you would know this. It's called the prodigal son. For me, actually, I think that's misplaced. For me, it's about the grace of the father, personally. Yeah. Um, but some people would know it as a prodigal son. It's got loads of stuff in there. Uh, we're not going to comment on that one too much because of time. But I'm just going to move down to the next one, which is Matthew 18, 23 to 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master of everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debts of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. That doesn't sound good. Until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's that's really strong. Now we might like to think God's grace is enough. 
and there's a truth in there. But his mercy triumphs over judgment is also true. But the whole point of this story is do unto others what Christ has done unto you. Let's make it simpler. Because we can go into all kinds of uh, views and things. The, The bottom line is be quick to forgive and slow to anger. Be quick to apologise and slower to give a reason why you won't. That's the, that's the number of this. Because what this parable is about is forgiveness is not a legal right. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's all right what you've done. Forgiveness actually lets me off the hook, not them off the hook. Because the kingdom of God is first righteousness, the Bible says. First to last. You've read that? Kingdom of God is righteous. So it may be that when Jesus was speaking to some of the crowd here, and he would have known this, there was a whole lot of judgment out there. And they would get the whole story about slaves and masters and salaries and stuff. What Jesus is saying is, now come on, mercy triumphs over judgment. Forgiveness is an action which needs to become our culture. Without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to have a forgiveness culture. We can have a sorry culture. We can have a sympathy culture. But we'll never quite get to a forgiveness and a compassion culture because God brings that. And that's why Pentecost happened as well. So that these guys who and the ladies that were up there when they received the power and the presence of God, they knew how to forgive really quickly. They knew how to walk in forgiveness a lot. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. How many of you know you need the Holy Spirit to do that? I, I know I need the Holy Spirit to do that. How are we doing for time? Because we, we haven't got to my favourite bit from last week yet, which is <laughs> almost here. This next one. Again, you would have heard this one probably at school. Suppose one of you, this is in Luke 15, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. How many does that leave? How many does that leave? Okay. Just checking that you're awake. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Now, I'm going to put a slight twist on this, and that is this. Let's make sure that we're not the 99 sheep saying, where's he gone? Why has he left us here? Doesn't he know who we are? Because we can. Now, I'm speaking to the one or two of you that are here right now that feel lost. Because although there might be 60, 70, 80 people here, Jesus is interested in the one that sat on your seat. He's interested in you. He's interested in where you've been, where you're going, and how you get there. He's interested in your well-being. He's interested in your health. He's interested in your future. Let's not have conversations with him. Why has he left us here? What are we going to do now? What are we going to, I don't know, what are we going to be there? No, he's interested in the one. He's interested in you. 
It's only God who can be interested in us and interested in you at the same time. The Bible puts it this way. God, you are so magnificent. You made everything and yet you are mindful of me. Only Jesus can think of everything and you at the same time. (laughs) Do you understand that? And when you, as the one, when I, as the one, say, God, I've just mucked it up, help me. Boom! We end up on his shoulders. Come on. When you, when I, say, God, help me. Boom! We end up on his shoulders. Because that's what a shepherd does. I don't believe this sheep ever found his way back to the 99. He found his way back to Jesus. If you've fallen out with people, just had a bit of a breakdown in the relationship, you just had words, go to Jesus first. Go on his shoulders and let him carry you back into restoration because he's a really good shepherd. He's an extraordinarily good shepherd. He's the only shepherd you will ever find that can look after the 99 Keep them safe, keep them secure, and find the one. But today, you are the one. You are the one. Glory to God. Then we're almost getting to my favourite one. Here it comes. You ready? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. You sure? Matthew 20, 1.16. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarii for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at about noon and at about three in the afternoon and did exactly the same thing. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, once hired, and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarii. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive even more, but each of them also received a denarii. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarii? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, on the face of it, this, this doesn't sound right. But there are some things in there that we just need to get. God is a generous God. It's his nature. It's his attitude. It's also his actions. He always gives more than we ask for. He always does more than we imagine. He's lavished his love on us. Out of his riches, he gives to us. God is generous. We've just got to get ahead around that. So that we're not looking at the facts to determine who God is. We're looking at the word to determine who God is. God is a generous on every occasion. The generosity of God is not in question here. What I believe God is getting to is that whether we started to follow Jesus today 
or whether we followed him 20 years ago, we all get the same reward. However, I think there are some things that we need to learn from new believers. Energy. Honesty. Simplicity. They don't necessarily have the same churchianity that we might have. They just get it raw. And I love to spend time with people that have just given their life to Jesus. They've just come into the vineyard, let's put it that way. But equally, some of these younger guys need to learn from the older guys who have worked through the heat of day, through the trials, through the tribulations, through the challenges, through the successes, how they've dealt with it. Because there is a strength which God puts into all of the day, whether we start at the beginning or whether we start at the end, and that is, I'm a generous God and I'm going to bless you. I think there's a lot that we need to learn from one another. I think the youth, the young people, whether they're new in Christ or whether they're new in Christ and in their age, there's an energy that they bring into the body of Christ. There's a newness and a freshness that we need to embrace. Because guess what? The church will never be built my way. It's only ever built Yahweh. It's either Yahweh or it's no way. So there is stuff that we, that, oh, well, I just don't like the way they do it. Yeah, yeah, I know, but maybe the way you don't like doing it, God doesn't like doing it either. So we've got to be childlike, but not childish. But there are also things, again, I could honour loads of people here that have just come through the, the good times, the pressing times, the shaking times, the challenging times. And in all of those things, whether it's us together or us as that one, we've learned some stuff. Thank God for maturity in the body of Christ. Thank God that church was never intended to be nursery. It has a nursery, but people come through that into adulthood in the things of God. And that's what this is talking to me about. Is I'm generous. I want you all to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you all to pray in tongues. I want you all to operate in all the gifts. I want you all to know how free you are. There isn't different levels of freedom, because if the Son has set you free, you're free. He wants us all to live in freedom. He wants all, all of us to live in the overflow of his God-given life. You and me, whether you've known Christ for 50 years or we've known him for five minutes, that's the generosity of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is this making some sense to you? I love that story. I love it. I love it because I'm always looking. I took out, uh, oh, this was there yesterday. Twelve of us went out to do a training session yesterday on leadership. I mean, it would freak some of you out. It freaked me out, to be honest. Uh, we, we turned up there in time and you could just feel the presence of the Lord. Boom, it was in the room. Hello there. Uh, the worship team had rehearsed and I thought, we're, we're, we're not going to use them, but I won't tell them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, because they're great, but not because they're bad people, which is that wasn't what God was saying. Uh, so we started at 10, and by half past 10, I think six people had a word from God, boom, just set them totally free, in front of everybody. Sung something in their life, set something free, stuff from abuse, stuff from child stuff, some from adult stuff, all kinds of stuff. Boom, 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 boom. Well, we haven't any worship yet. No, this is worship. This is praise. Who needs a band? We are the band. And then we had a bit of a break, nobody wanted to go, so we came back, and then we just did a little bit of input, and then suddenly people just getting set free. It's like, actually, do you mean I don't have to be like that? No, you don't. Mm, do you mean I, I can be like that? Yes, you can. 
And the whole day yesterday was about imparting to the seed. There's a good seed in your life. It's closing up now, right? So be ready, because God's going to move in a minute. There's a seed in your life. It's a seed of hope. It's a seed of destiny. It's an indestructible seed. It's a seed of God. It is like God. It is like Jesus. It's called the kingdom of God. And that seed has been put into you if you know Christ. If you haven't, you can know him. That seed is indestructible. Grows day, grows night. Grows when there's a lot, grows when there's not nothing. Because that seed carries the very life essence of God himself in it. And sometimes it feels like, oh, it's hard work. It's hard. Yes, it is. You'll get, you'll get pressed, but you'll never get crushed because God won't allow you to go beyond what you can endure, the word says. It might be dry, but Jesus is still a source, a wellspring of life to you. You might feel hungry, but his word is still the bread of life to you. You might feel lonely, but Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You might feel a failure. Get rid of that sense because Jesus doesn't call people failures. He calls people out of failure into success. The only person that will call you a failure is you. So stop lying to yourself. Hallelujah. And tell the truth and the truth will set you free. You're not a mistake. God doesn't give birth to mistakes. He gives birth to intentional people. He called you because he wanted you. He picked you because he picked you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit like he did in Acts. He wants to fill you with his power, you with his presence. He wants to re-energize you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. Let's all stand up, shall we? Hallelujah. I'm just getting into it now. We can keep going. Thank you, Jesus. We won't because I love you. Just close your eyes. It all goes dark, but we are not afraid of the dark. I've got my feisty head on today. You probably picked that up. If you're here the first time, this is my feisty head. You've come on a good day. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, hopefully you'll come back on another day. Uh, that's down to you. Father, I want to thank, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. Father, we've heard your word. We've, we've heard it. We've listened to it. Holy Spirit, help us to embrace it. Whatever word you've spoken into our hearts, water it with your Holy Spirit right now. We recognise that those of us, if we know you, then we have an indestructible seed in our life. And we refuse to look at the soil. We refuse to look at the circumstances. We refuse to look at the climate or even the time of day. We look at you because you are the God who makes things grow. You bring the growth. It's not the one who sows or the one who waters, but God who makes things grow. And I thank you that every day your kingdom is getting a bit bigger, a bit larger, a bit stronger, a bit more real. I thank you that you're getting more and we're getting less. We refuse to live under feeling, emotion, circumstantial evidence when we know that you said, I have given you a kingdom which will not be shaken or perish. So I thank you for your kingdom life at work in our lives, in our families' lives, in our workplace lives, in our household lives, in our marketplace lives. We just declare that your kingdom is on the advance. Your kingdom is on the increase. Your kingdom is getting bigger. It's touching lives. It's changing lives. It's healing lives. 
And I thank you that you called every one of us to be part of that program. Every one of us. We're not the 99 bleaters. Where's the shepherd gone? Jesus, we might need to be the one that is carried on your shoulders right now. If that is us, Lord, do it. Do it. Do it. I thank you that you carry us through trials. You carry us through difficulties. Even through valleys, you carry us. You just need to accept that that's reality. Because it may not be your circumstantial evidence. Your body might be telling you something. Your mind might be telling you something. Your relationships might be telling you something. But Jesus is telling you, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never, never. Never is a long time. Never is a long time. It's longer than we can imagine. All right? Because we, we, we sometimes think the word never based on seasons or based on influences in our own experience. But when Jesus says never, he means never. Never ever. 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 There is not going to be a moment in time when Jesus will leave you on your own. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. It's impossible. So, Father, we thank you right now. Holy Spirit, again, just pour out afresh today into each one of them. We just release that Holy Spirit right now. Bring peace, joy, patience, kindness, self-control. Oh, hallelujah. We just thank you for a, a fresh impartation of your grace, the spirit of grace, the spirit of love, the spirit of mercy. We thank you for a new activation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge, wisdom, interpretation, prophecy, tongues, miracles, healings, hallelujah, faith. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you want to show us Jesus afresh today. We give you glory, we give you honour, we give you praise. Let's give him some praise. Let's give him some glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.